0: In a world where people strive to conquer the digital landscape, the best leaders are moving forward and planting flags. This is the Oil & Gas Digital Doers podcast, where you can hear about the thrill of digital victory and the industry's best guidance on how to win with your host, Michael O'Sullivan.
1: An article here uh, that I'm looking at um, now. This is one that uh, maybe this is one that you know. For those of us who love the the, the oil and gas industry and all the great things that it does, um, and who understand the people, uh, you know, this is one of those articles that might um, get us a little riled up. However, it's good to you know sometimes it's good to look at these various uh, you know alternate perspectives, shall we say? Uh, and this one is uh, so this is a a website or a publication called Grist, G-R-I-S-T. It's not one that I'm familiar with, but it was not difficult for me to find an article um, with this sort of uh, message in it. Uh, There's plenty of them. Uh, So the headline, the headline of this article, it goes like this. The billion dollar rebrand, how big oil is trying to change its image. Now I think uh, we, we would all agree with that. Of course, you got to get past the headline, and uh, it's actually the first paragraph here is uh, what I want to uh, take a look at with you before we uh, get into the rest of the show. And and uh, here's what it says. Um, to the untrained eye, untrained, now, of course, that would mean that the folks at Grist are, are the trained eye, so they're saying to, to the rest of us, the untrained eye, Uh, It looks like the major oil companies that helped us get into this whole climate mess. Now, hold on. This is where I have to stop. And it doesn't even matter what the rest of this paragraph says. And they say, yeah, you know, it looks like they're trying to do something good, and they're really not, and this is really a trick. But the point is, I want to focus on this one part. It looks like the major oil companies, the oil companies that helped us get into this whole climate mess. As if there's some blame to be levied there, and this is a this is a huge maybe misconception is not the right word, but this type of thinking is 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 not historically accurate. I mean, and, and you only have to look at like the the fundamentals of of. Innovation uh, and invention creates, you know, or discovery creates uh, demand, uh, and then you start the supply and demand cycle. And the reason why oil companies uh, provided oil to the world was because the world wanted it. And, and there was a market, and the world said, we need this, and the oil company said, we can provide this. And, and that's, that's what they did. Um, That's not really the same as saying, you got us into this mess, as if if the blame only rests on the person who manufactured the stuff, not the person who wanted the stuff. So that plays into our discussion today, uh, which by the way, uh, you are listening to the Oil and Gas Digital Doers Podcast right here on the Oil and Gas Global Network, the largest and most listened to network of podcasts aimed exclusively at the oil and energy industry. We're the biggest uh, in the whole world. Uh, that's it. There's nowhere else to go for more or better content than what we can give you. And this particular show is sponsored by our very good friends at HPE, Hewlett Packard Enterprise. And if you're not familiar with what HPE is doing in the industry uh, and specifically related to digital transformation, then uh, you got some learning to do because uh, it's, it's amazing the stuff that, you know, they're they're partnering with so many people to create uh, so many capabilities, particularly in these far-fetched, far-flung uh, industrial environments, and all the computing uh, capabilities that we need, and, and to, to support all the, the the transformational, the analytics, the automation, all that stuff. All that stuff we talk about all the time in, in, under the heading of digital transformation. There's a lot of computing power and 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 all kinds of other. Uh, Uh, wherewithal that's got to be underneath all that stuff to make it work and HPE is right in the middle of that so take a look at HPE.com and now oh yeah getting back to the episode um So we're going to talk today with with an old friend of mine, who um, who I've known for a long time, but we don't get to talk very often. We really only we we catch up about once a year on the phone. We live in different parts of the country, uh, and we talk for about an hour and a half. Uh, We tell a bunch of stories and we we you know postulate on all the things that are happening in the world, and we have a great time. And this time we decided uh, to bring that conversation. To you, because it really—and by the way, it's not going to be an hour and a half. We're going to we're going to shorten it down. But but um, this this is connected to this notion of. The industry rebranding, and it turns out that my guest today uh, has 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 owned and operated a very successful branding agency for many years, and uh, and he's a great friend of of the oil industry. He's uh, he's had many clients all over the world that are in the oil and gas business. He's got some great insights about this whole rebranding thing, and we're going to have a great conversation about it. So. Ladies and gentlemen, please give a warm OGG and welcome to David Kippen. And that gets us back. I know you always enjoy that snappy musical interlude, but we are, uh, as promised, here. Uh, I'm here with uh, one of my favorite people um, in the whole world that I talk to. At least, well, about once a year. We talk once a year because it's kind of religious. Like you always remember to call me like once a year, except for last year when it was weird. But it,
0: no, you know what it actually what is? Was, I, I, <laughs> I like you and you're funny. You know, but I, but I, only I, once I, a year. It's a, <laughs> well, I mean, we got to have time to pass to accrue interesting things to talk that about. That is true.
1: But. So I know some things about it. So usually this is the part where I always say, well, I know that you're working here and you've been there. Dah, dah, dah. But in this particular case, this is a really fancy bio that you that you have. It's got like I, I just want to pick out some of my favorite parts here that I marked. Um, so so this is David's. This is like your one pager, right, that you like send to people when you want to impress them this is so it's good. So the first, so the first line says, Dr. Dr. David, we're going to get back to the doctor part in a minute. Um, Dr. David Kibbett is an internationally recognized leader in brand strategy and transformation. So I, someday I just want you to know that I want to be an internationally recognized leader in anything. Like I don't even care what it is, but I want to, I want to be one of those. Um, And then it goes on to say that you've worked with all these fancy clients. Um, This is quite a list. Like I've I've never seen like Chevron and Burger King in the same in the same client list. But it goes gets on and then, um, but this is this is one of my favorite bits. So it says here that your the way you work is drawn from. uh, It says that basically you got to be this good by uh, market research, market research in more than thirty countries over the past. 18 years so now that just basically sounds like you're on the run like i like (laughs) who who are you running from that you were in 30 countries in 18 years
0: well you know it's a great question actually it's our clients that run us there ah uh, okay when we set up this business we decided we wanted it to be evidence-based and strategy-led evidence-based means you got to go listen to people talk to them and figure out what they care about and um, do that through the lens of where they are. And since most of our clients are in technology or oil and gas or um, consumer packaged goods and so on, we right. end up doing a lot of market research in a whole bunch of different places. Technology, well, you're looking at um, Asia, South South Asia,
1: sure.
0: yeah. um, parts of Russia. Oil and gas is everywhere. And combination of focus groups interviews site visits all of that has just put us put our feet in the ground in an incredible number of places
1: yeah okay all right well i like my on the run theory a little bit better but i that, that but your story your story holds up it's not it's not too bad i did want to also mention this and we're going to get to the topic today folks by the way but uh but um the, david there's so many interesting things so you have a now this i did know about you you have a phd in rhetoric that's that's how, that's how we get to call you doctor. Um, uh, but rhetoric is rhetoric, uh, which, you know, is not something that uh, nowadays that people, I mean, there hasn't, we haven't done a lot of Socratic circles for, you know, in, in recent years. So, uh, rhetoric isn't something that people talk about a whole lot, but, uh, so what it so, but you've told me some interesting things about why you got into that. And I think it kind of ties into your business. So like, talk about that just for a Yeah, well, you
0: put your finger on the first part of it, which is the Socratic part. So um, when Aristotle's going through his compendium of things you need to know about life. He talks about logic. He talks about all of these different things. And he says at one point, well, really, I've talked about everything you need to know. If people made their decisions on the basis of good information we would be done, but actually they don't. So we need to talk about this other thing called the rhetoric. And he starts talking about, and it's really the start of this field of study, right. how people make decisions really not based on information at all. And basically the postulate is we make gut decisions and then post-facto we rationalize them. That's just what we do. And given that's the nature of the world, what do you need to do to respond to the decision-making around Mm. you? Well, fast forward um, a long time to today, and obviously rhetoric is the root of advertising, Right, right. right? Because every brand, every entity is trying to figure out how to get you to think about their product, service, solution, whatever it is, in a way that aligns with what makes that thing special or different or unique.
1: Yep, yep, yep,
0: And so it applies directly to what we're doing. And at the end of the day, it's as simple as, why do you do what you do? And why do you do the uninformed parts of what you do while thinking that you're actually making decisions about
1: them? Yeah, interesting. Um, and that actually... Takes us nicely to, um, to the topic that we wanted to discuss. Which, um, you know, I'm still working on how to tie this into digital transformation, but it doesn't really matter because it's going to be very interesting. And and we are, and this this is the oil and gas global network, and we like to talk about we're we're very we're very uh, pro industry. We like to talk about the industry. So you, when you were talking about this rhetoric thing and how and how that ties into advertising, and and you and I, we were talking about this recently, um, and I thought it'd be interesting for our audience um, because there's so much going on in in the industry right now, um, which you could could sort of kind of roll up under this notion of, uh, I think what you, I think what you said when we were talking recently was um, like the industry is rebranding and in doing so, and that part I think is not a mystery to us. I mean, we see that even if we don't think about it in those terms, we see that happening. Um, But, but like what, what does that really mean? And what's really, the best way for this industry, because you you want it to be genuine. You don't you don't want it to look disingenuous. You know you want it to be authentic. Um, you want to be able to convey to the world we're not just like painting a new sign here but we're really looking at what we're doing and who we are and how does that need we're not going to abandon everything that we have been in the past but we certainly know we need to be something a little different in the future so when you look at that from a branding standpoint how do you how do you approach that successfully and not end up just looking like oh look at these guys now they say they're xyz it's such a good question. I specialize I mean, in good questions. Than,
0: you, you do. More than twenty years ago, BP went from British Petroleum to Beyond Petroleum. Yeah, and
1: you know that they was they came back the from Beyond again. Level. Yeah, <laughs> they, they,
0: they did. Yeah. And so Chevron, around the same time, a little bit later, had landed on this human energy line. And there's been in the industry, particularly among the. Um, warmer, fuzzier, super majors, there's been this recognition that dates way back before um the recent climate crises we've all been living through over the you know like this last year. Um but there's an awareness that the industry needed to be seen differently, though it didn't really want to act very differently or be very different. Now I should just predicate what I'm gonna say with I've worked in oil and gas my whole working life and i love the industry i think it's a terrific industry mm-hmm. so you know i'm going to say bad stuff about it right but just hold it hold that thought right uh, i think if you look through human history back to the very beginning when we first conquered fire every step forward we've been able to make as a species has been the result of capturing more energy and using it more efficiently. Fire lets us do things like melt metals, which let us do all the things that metal enable. We also, as we trap fire, we're able to do agricultural things. We're able to expand our influence. We domesticate animals. Now we can think about horsepower it's a different kind of energy, right? Mm. We get huge groups of people together to move stones and build pyramids. That's the original kind of human energy. It's a multiplication of how many people can you put on a rope. But at every stage, it's a multiplier of what can I do as an individual until we get to steam and then oil and gas and things really explode and our modern world becomes possible. I think what this industry does what it gets very well is that it touches everything and it enables everything. As I look around my office, I mean, I can't look at a single thing in this room that, well, except I've got some wood paneling, yeah. right? But aside from that, I can't look at a single thing and say, um, oil and gas didn't do that, right? And even the wood paneling, it was cut by saws that were probably powered by, yep, yep. well, electricity, but yep, you, you get yep. the this, right? right. All of these things are amplified power. So this industry touches everything. It enables everything. It created the modern world we live in. Yeah, And yet, you know, along with great power, sometimes comes great hubris and great arrogance. And I think where we are right now is the industry has realized because it's so essential to everything and has been for so long, until very recently, it really didn't need to think about what people thought about it. Mm. So when you and I talked, I mean, I, I love that quote of Lee Raymond that the worst decision he ever made was letting the Exxon name be on service yeah, stations. Because right. now every time somebody pulls in and the price is different, they think, oh, Exxon is screwing me. I hate Exxon. Yeah. When... For Exxon, it's like, we're all about upstream. We actually don't care that much about the price of the pump. And we don't want to be known by the price of the pump. Right, It's right. not our concern.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. But um, for you and so me Mark and before...
0: people who don't listen to this podcast, we see things differently. You and I and podcast listeners get what energy does. But most people think about oil and gas purely in terms of what happens at the service station and now in terms of what happens environmentally. So I think the a brand has a job to do and the job is not to rename things. It's actually to help us think about things the right way. Yeah. If you think about the Got Milk campaign, Got Milk was all about, think about milk differently. Think about milk not just as from cows, but about what milk makes better. As soon as you think about it that way, it transforms milk in your world, right? Right. Oil and gas is at this inflection point where it needs us all to think differently about not just the industry, but what the industry enables. But- At the same time, the industry has to think differently about the covenant it has with consumers and with governments. And I think it's been on its back foot for the last 20 years, thinking that either this moment was going to pass or could be managed. And I think it's manifestly clear that yeah. a different approach needs to be taken. Okay, now. so there's
1: so much in everything uh that was a good speech, by the way. It almost seems like almost like you've given that speech before. But uh, there's so much in there, so let's let's break that down. And um, uh, where do I want to start? Okay, so it, we it, so this thing about the industry, it, it, this thing that you said with uh, great power sometimes comes sometimes comes great arrogance, or maybe it's something a little bit like softer than that. But the point is that. Um, and and then kind of like leapfrogging to the last bit that you said, which is, we you know, the industry thought maybe, um, you know, we don't really need to worry about this. I, I think there was a little bit of, I think, um, and I'm going to say we, and I know that I'm not really, there's a lot of people who can say we relative to this industry a lot stronger than I can, but just for the sake of conversation. Um, it, I think we say we kind of got comfortable with the idea that everybody doesn't realize how important we are, but we know how important we are and we're kind of okay with that. And it doesn't matter so much if the world doesn't get it because we get it. And, and we're the reason why virtually everything in their life works the way it did, which isn't quite arrogance. Right. But it is kind of something that makes you think maybe I don't need to deal with this. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, so here we are. And, and then we say, oh, well, 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 maybe we really do. Need to do something different. But there doesn't seem to be, so in this rebranding effort, um, there doesn't seem to be as much like, like there's a lot of, um, like people have coalesced around the idea that we need to do something, but there's not like a lot of consistency or, um, you know, uh, consensus on what that really means. So it kind of like, if I'm somebody standing outside the industry, I think it kind of looks like, Everybody's doing something different, right? Yeah. Is that is that kind of like so, so? From a branding standpoint, um, like how how important is it? Like, does that work? Is that okay if everybody does something different? Does that that helps individual companies rebrand? But what does it do for the industry? Or does
0: it? Yeah. I mean, that's just that. That's such a good question. So going back to Got Milk, um, that campaign worked because it was a consortium of milk producers, all of whom realized that if the ship sinks we all go down and that was at a moment of crisis it was at a point at which people were becoming more and more health conscious they were saying milk is <clears throat> fatty and at the time you know fat was bad yeah. and yeah. not fat was good and getting fat things out of your diet was great and milk was in the crosshairs right ice cream goes cheese goes milk goes if you're a producer you're looking at a disaster in every direction Kind of like the oil industry is now, Mm -hmm. right? But that, um, in that instance, milk providers got together and said, "You know, the difference between my brand of your of milk and your brand of milk is less important than the difference between." People drinking and not milk drink, and right. people not right. drinking milk, or people thinking milk is bad and unhealthful versus thinking that there are virtues to milk that I hadn't thought of before. That's where I think this industry is now. So if you if you follow your line of reasoning, yeah, Chevron's a very different company than Total, very different than Saudi Aramco, right. and it's very easy when you're looking at the reserves that you've got, the wells that you've got, the um, upstream development that you're focused on to think provincially I'm going to focus on my brand and the cleanliness of my brand. But we're at a moment that I, where I think the industry needs to take a step back and think to exactly the point you just made, a, there are a lot of things that the industry does that are immensely beneficial that people don't understand. Mm-hmm. B, the efforts that we've made thus far look a lot like greenwashing, and <laughs> yeah. we'd be better yeah. off not even trying because it just it leaves a bad taste in everybody's mouth. And C, we're all in this together, so we need a system of messaging and an interrelated approach that helps people think different about what we're doing in a way that just won't happen if we each go our merry yeah. ways yeah. and see what comes of I it. Think,
1: I think I think that's exactly right. Um, by the way, I just want to comment that I, for one, am glad that we got to the back to the point where fat is our friend because that, that is, <laughs> <laughs> that's, me too. That's a that's a very important. Yeah, uh, that's a very important thing for me. But, um, and you know, the other thing that happened, uh, so there was another industry at the same time that had to deal with that same problem. And it was the pork industry, remember? And they all kind of got around the other white meat. Um, and I, I think that's that was right. roughly around because it was the same time that Jack LaLanne had convinced everybody not to eat fat and now we had to figure out what to do. But, um, but this thing that you said about how they all, how they said, it's more like our individual brands are less important than whether people are drinking milk. And um, this is something that I've said about, about oil and gas now for a while. So, I've, I've probably, so my faithful listeners will say, ah, he has said that before. Um, but uh, it, it keeps coming back, which is, um, you know, it's always been a very competitive industry. Uh, but the more I talk to people on, on the, the podcast, you know, it gives me opportunity to talk to a lot of people and what keeps coming up is, you know, for a little while, we need to be less concerned about the competition within the industry. And we need to realize that the industry itself is competing and right. and what are we going to do about that? And that's where I don't see, like, we don't quite see the, 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 the everybody coming together like they did with the milk or the pork or whatever right. other example, but that but that's that's kind of the but but like that awareness. Like do you like when you talk to people in oil? Like yeah, you work with clients in oil, guys. Like do they think about it that way? Like we're not so much competing with each other anymore, but we're all competing collectively as an industry. Is that where people's heads are at?
0: No, not at all. I th- where people's heads right now are though is um, provincially. Our company has a challenge that we've got to address. We have to change share of mind about how we, mm. and this is not the industry, it's we, our company is relative to fill in the blank. Mm. And you know that's a step down from where the industry needs to be. And it makes sense. From a brand standpoint, brands started with commodity branding, right? How do I Mm -hmm. charge more for my pound of coffee than some other guy's pound of coffee? Well, I create equities around my coffee. It came from Ecuador or it's roasted differently or whatever. And those things set it apart. So I'm going to use a service station example. Chevron uses um, both the fact that their gas is highly refined and Chevron's good. And the idea of Tektron as their brand differentiator, right? right. So Tektron is why you get Chevron, because it makes your car run better. It's expensive to get people thinking that way, particularly about an underlying commodity, which for most of us, the oil and gas industry provides. So I can understand why most oil and gas would not want to back away from that and take an industry-wide approach except I think that's the only way out of this thicket. Right. I think the other part of it that's necessary beyond an industry-wide framework for how we should think different about oil and gas is a shift from a product focus to an impact focus. Mm. When Steve Jobs launched the iPod, he didn't say it's the world's smallest hard drive, it's got a really long-lasting battery, blah, 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 right, blah. Right. He said it's 1,000 songs in your pocket, mm-hmm. right? He led with what it does and what it enables. It enables you to have your music everywhere. I think the industry needs to think back from where we experience it and tell the story of enablement rather than to tell the story of product differentiation, Right. And it's hard to do that. That's a hard pivot. Yeah. Yeah. But it remains the fact that there are a lot of things that only oil and gas can do today and into the future for a long time. Only oil and gas, for example, think about things like plastics manufacture, think about um, all of the ancillary products that don't power things that are not fuels. All of those come from this industry. Nobody thinks about that. Yeah. that's a huge miss.
1: It is huge, and I think that there's. Um, by the way, a fun little little side side bit is that I still have sitting. I have sitting on my shelf here, at my worldwide headquarters, uh, a Generation One iPod that actually has my name uh, engraved on the back of it. It doesn't work anymore, but it did. It didn't work for a long time, but I. But I, it's an excellent paperweight, and uh, you know, it's a good conversation starter generation
0: one and it's a real custom to that brand yeah. right it's there's a reason that's there when so many of the other tech products that were functionally for- formed got recycled or tossed yeah. or whatever you do yeah. with it, right
1: and an interesting thing is is what i have noticed is that um so anybody who sees it like 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 an 18 year old person can look at it and go well the first thing they say is wow that's old but they know what it is like they can look at it and still say, "Oh, well that's an old iPod." Like they and and you're talking about, you know, an 18-year-old person now, like iPods were already finished by the, like they were already on iPhones. Like how long has it been since anybody had an iPod? But the but it the brand was so and the design and everything is so recognizable that people know exactly exactly what it is. It's kind of interesting. I don't know. That was just a little sidebar. But um uh what was it you said that I wanted to uh get back to? You? See now I I got off on the iPod thing. Um, well, we got to get to the other the brand. Oh, oh, here we go. So, uh, there's another problem that, um, that I think we sometimes think, um, it kind of holds us up from getting serious about this sort of industry, you know, like nicely orchestrated industry effort, which is, um, all that other stuff still doesn't scale. And when you talk about all the things that oil and gas provides into the world, which maybe not everybody, you know, is, is aware of, you know, let's just say outerwear, winter outerwear, for example, Um, everybody may not be aware, but, but like we know, like the industry knows that nobody has cracked a nut on how to, on how to scale these other sources of energy and operate them at scale over time to 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 really do anything. So that brings us back to: Aren't we really just managing public perception because the reality is like is 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 decades away? I mean, what do you think about that?
0: Yeah, I think that's exactly what we're doing. I think we are managing public perception because the reality is decades away, and I think that's not only um, okay. I think that's absolutely essential because what the industry hasn't done very effectively is manage public perception in a non rhetorical way. I think, as you said, there's been a sense in this industry dominated by a bunch of super brilliant engineers. Look, don't, don't worry about the marketing side of it. We'll we do important stuff. The world needs us. Everything will be fine. Keep your head down and whatever the latest issue is, whether it's oil prices or a spill or whatever, and this is not to say the industry took them lightly. I don't think it does, but I think there's been a sense that this will blow over. Keep your right, heads down. Right, right. Keep focused on your work. I think the reality that's different now is that there is tremendous growing energy toward alternate sources of energy that are going to say decades in the future, oil and gas is not the primary source, but is a, a source, right? Yeah. fundamental source of energy for things where other sources of energy are not as effective. Yeah. Right? So there's a transition the industry is going to go through, and it's either going to happen gracefully or awkwardly. I don't think this industry can afford to have much more awkwardness than no. it's already got no, because enough. it's a poster child for um, kind of what people see or talk about when they talk about the excesses of capitalism or capitalism gone wrong right there's this idea that there's something so rapacious and so terrible and so heartless about this industry none of which is true but boy does the industry feed into it and not help itself by putting its head down and continuing to work so what we need to do i think is be part of the conversation and that's not just about seeing, saying how many, I don't know, how much investment are we making right, in right. the latest, you know, in hydro or in sequestration or whatever. It's much more about how do we participate in, contribute to and help guide this energy transformation because frankly, nobody knows more about yes. the new of energy and how energy works than these engineers do today. At the same time, just about every great engineering school in the United States has shut down the parts of its engineering practice that have to do with subsurface, right? Yeah. Go find me a place outside Colorado where you can get a PhD in anything related to extraction. Yeah.
1: It's really it's difficult. Tough. Right. School of Mines. Young you got to go to School of Mines.
0: They're they're hugely turned off, and that's also a huge problem for the industry because we're not part of the conversation. Yeah, it's a
1: really good point. Um, and actually, it, you you it resonates with something else that I like to say a lot, which is you know, uh, I mean, if you if you want to if you want to find somebody who can figure out how to power the world which by the way involves not just making a very efficient solar panel but but making like millions of them or whatever it is like like the like the scaling and the deploying and the operating complexities of powering the world. If you want to find somebody who knows how to do that why don't you ask the people who figured out how to do it the first time because it's all those same problems um and it, and so that kind of plays into your point about well, we need to like really be part of the conversation. But there was something else you said like way earlier in this that I want to that I want to touch on here too because you said that the industry needs to take a, a kind of a I think you said something like to take a step back and look at the covenant that it has with um, consumers and governments with society basically. So like what so what do you mean by that exactly?
0: Every corporation in the world has a covenant that says, you give me money, I give you value, Mm, right? right? And um, most businesses aren't able to extract rents, right? So I have to give you, uh, it's it's sort of fared by the marketplace. If I sell tacos and I'm trying to sell tacos for $50 a taco, unless I'm selling them at the Ritz Carlton, I'm not gonna have any buyers, right? Because there's so many alternate places to get tacos. Because of just what you said, because this industry and you know the Seven Sisters or whatever they are today right. managed to power the whole world, it's been possible for the industry to kind of ignore the covenant it has with all of us mm-hmm. because we as consumers have been captive to the industry. Right. That is changing and it's changing in a way that's perilous for the industry. So part of changing that covenant is exactly what i'm talking about now and being part of the conversation for example i read um a couple of days ago in the paper that the biden administration is looking at one of the challenges in the electrification of the automotive sector being charging stations (laughs) obviously there are a lot of gas stations and there aren't that many charging stations so they have to get tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands i don't remember what the number is of charging stations up and Here's an, to exactly your point, here's an example of the industry knows how to do that, right? Mm -hmm. And at point of sale, that's not really where oil and gas particularly wants to win. So here's an opportunity as infrastructure for oil and gas to be part of the conversation that brings us into a new state of energy, A lot of people listening in this industry are probably having heart attacks or throwing their iPods against the wall or whatever. Their iPods. But but I think um, the reality is this is not a switch that's going to flip in five seconds. This is a transition that's going to happen over a span of many years, whether or not the industry participates in it. We're now in early days, and by engaging, I think the industry has the opportunity to dramatically change the mindset um, a lot of the world has about it tremendously to its benefit, and it should.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, that's really good. And so it's it's interesting that we started out talking about rebranding, and once we really dug into it, what we find is it um, it's it's the rebranding is really starts with examining, and I know, and I've been through branding exercises, and you have and you have led countless ones and you know the first thing you always do is always you never talk about what do you want to what do you want to what do you want your stuff to look like you always talk about who are you right first and it reminds me so uh i know i know i know you're fond of these quotes that you like to to, so there's one from cary grant i believe who um who said something like uh he was talking about how he you know he became a particular type of person and he said i started out by acting like the person I wanted to be. And then I eventually became that person. Um, Like that's, that's rebranding, right? Not, not just, not just new, uh, what did you say? Greenwashing or whatever, you know, on the outside, but like looking at, like, let's really look at who we are, who we need to be and, and kind of work from there, which is how any, like, if you're leading a branding exercise, uh, if you're doing it the right way, that's how you do it. Right. If If I remember correctly.
0: That is such a great quote. That's that's exactly it. Um, I, another quote I would add to that is Henry Kaiser, the great industrialist, right. had this line that problems are opportunities in work clothes, Yes, right? Yes. I think this is a moment of tremendous opportunity for the energy industry. And I'm saying energy instead of oil and gas because just like a thousand songs in your pocket, if if you focus on oil and gas... Right now, that terminology is so um, toxic because of all of the associations that have been brought forward through lots and lots of very effective PR, I think it's almost unsalvageable. But energy, being part of the conversation around energy, transforms it in two ways. Number one, oil and gas are a product, but they're not useful. What's useful is what they produce, which is energy. And number two, all of these things we're talking about are energy, whereas oil and gas is just a source of energy. So I think the path forward is broadening the funnel to say we are the preeminent providers of energy in the world right now we provide most of the world's energy we recognize that the future is about the diversification of sources of energy we know better than anybody else how energy provision works let us guide that yes right i think that's a winning set of messages about energy that puts oil and gas uh, at the table in a different way than I think it sits today.
1: Yeah. The, the, I, the, that is really good. I think. Um, and if we do it that way, we don't really have anything to lose, right? I mean, there's, you don't, there's, it's not, there's nothing. To, I mean, imagine if instead of some major, you know, um, what did you say before? The You said warm and fuzzy uh, or. Something like I've never (laughs) warm and fuzzy (laughs) and super majors. That doesn't happen in the same sentence very often. But imagine if one of them, instead of saying, oh, we've just announced a new, uh, you know, $150 million investment in a wind farm. What if they said, "Uh, well, we're actually not going to throw money at anything, but here's what we are going to do. We're going to donate our, our, you know, a, a, a fleet of our top engineers and scientists to help you solve these problems that are. Fundamentally, fundamentally, operationally, mathematically, the same thing as what these guys are doing. Like, like, imagine that. Like, like, that's. Um, I I, would, I don't know. It just came to me. But like, what then? How would that look to the world? Right. Instead of just saying, "Ah, oh, we're throwing hundred million dollars at a wind farm."
0: That's just it, because we know that this energy is phenomenally rich, and that it has phenomenal income. So just as you're saying, throwing money at, that sounds like kind of a buy-off, doesn't yeah, it? It?
1: Does. it sounds like yeah.
0: we're doing it because we can and so shut up. Right. And that's exactly the wrong stance to take yeah. at this moment. There's this wonderful Dilbert cartoon. Uh, it says, change is good. You go first. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, and that's that's kind of the moment that the industry finds itself in, but we can't take that stance right because change is happening and it's happening in a way that is going to affect everything about this industry our choice at this point is to participate in and drive the change or to receive the change and one of those is going to be a whole lot better than the yeah, other for yeah, the industry yeah
1: yeah that's um that's exactly right so th- th- so as always david we have a this has been a fantastic uh, interesting conversations. I mean, it's interesting for me. Hopefully, hopefully everybody else feels the same, but, um, uh, we should probably, I'm looking at the little timer roll by here. We should probably wrap up what, uh, um, so I don't usually do this to people, but I know you can handle it. So like, what do you want to leave us with? Like what little nugget jewel of wisdom do you, do you, uh, do you, do you, you, got, you got anything that pops up to the top of your mind?
0: Yeah, I'll go back to that Kaiser quote. This is a time of enormous opportunity for the energy industry. I, I think it's an industry that's been feeling beleaguered and put upon and beat up for a long time. I think that's completely justified. But I actually think this is a moment to grab. I think there's an opportunity for everybody in the industry to Um, start from start of career to end of career, wherever you are in this industry, to be part of a phenomenal transformation that is not about burying the industry you love, but is about finding a future place for it. Humanity's population is going to continue to increase. Our need for energy is going to continue to increase. The effectiveness of energy solutions in oil and gas are going to get better and better this is just a time to be worked through and i think it's a, a terrific time to be alive and in this industry yeah
1: good yeah, i gotta hand it to you i actually feel a little bit like inspired just uh listening to you say that and i'm not you know i'm not as you know i'm not easily inspired <laughs> True. <that. laughs> so, all right so david thank you it's been a pleasure michael thank you And there you have it, folks. Some great insights and observations and guidance and advice and and various other lovely sentiments from my old friend David Kippen, who, as I mentioned, is also a great friend to the oil and gas industry. He has helped many people uh, with all kinds of things. And so it's always great to talk to him. You know what else It's great to do? It's great to go to LinkedIn and look up OGGN and find out about all the things that we are doing because I am telling you, we are we are running fast and furious, and I know that's a movie, but those were just the first words I thought of, and uh, yeah, I mean, every morning I wake up, and Mark LaCour calls me with another idea, and so I'm telling you, there's some great stuff coming, not just new podcasts, not just new things of the things that we already do, but we're doing some new new things and some entirely new kinds of programs, and I can't talk about it too much right now, but follow us on LinkedIn, and you will find out about it. Thanks again to our sponsor, HPE. We love our sponsors at OGGM because without them, there is no us. That is really true. Uh, We need their support. And uh, without it, we would not be able to do all these great things. So show them some love. Go find out what HPE is doing for digital transformation. Thanks also to uh, my audio fixer guy, Mr. Mac Roman, who always puts it all together and makes us sound great. That is going to wrap it up for today, folks, or for whatever day that you happen to be listening to this. This is it. This is the end. So have fun with whatever it is you're about to do and come back next week and we're going to talk about how people in oil and gas are getting digital done.
0: Come back next week for yet another exhilarating expedition into the very real world of the best digital doers in the oil and gas industry. A production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.